Join me as I talk with people who express their creativity in ways that can inspire the rest of us to recognize our own creativity. And if you enjoy these conversations, please like, subscribe, and share them. Hello and welcome to Creativity Conversations. This is episode 58 and I'm with the handsome and talented Dr. Richard Kim. Hello. Hi, how are you? (laughs) I'm well. Good to have you here. Thank you. As we usually do, I'm going to... start with a bit of a bio for Dr. Kim, and then we are just going to see what happens. Dr. Richard Kim is a board-certified physician whose practices focus on the use of complementary non-surgical disciplines and therapies, in particular platelet-rich plasma, PRP, and stem cell therapy. He has a sharp, inquisitive approach to medicine and uses a rare combination of clinical training and research experience to diagnose musculoskeletal problems, almost missed it up, and develop a unique treatment plan for his patients. And I'm taking this from his website, but I think it's true too. Dr. Kim has a refreshingly laid back vibe, which he attributes to his West Coast upbringing in combination with his high degree of compassion. He's committed to helping his patients return to their active lifestyles through the highest standard of care and the newest technology to enable their bodies to heal themselves. And he demonstrates the same commitment on the sidelines, so to speak, in his role providing care for the elite athletes of USA Rugby. 10 years now, right? Absolutely, yeah, just coming up on it. Wow. So Dr. Kim is board certified in internal medicine and pediatrics with a certificate of added qualification in sports medicine and is team physician USA Rugby. He completed his medical training through Albany Medical College, completed a sports medicine fellowship, and received his undergraduate degree from University of Washington. Thank you. That's just the beginning. Yeah, yeah, right? (laughs) Where do we go from there? Uh, Anywhere you'd like. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know what I would love to do is to start off is just to ask you what your definition is of creativity? Man, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think for me, the definition of, of creativity is trying to make something from nothing or f- trying to create something from what others might see as, as nothing. Um, and, and, you know, having a either different form or function that that you know that suits you or or suits that suits the need. Um, I think a lot of times in in medicine we don't think about it as a, as a creative field, um, but you know I think it absolutely is. Uh, you know we often say that you know medicine is is the is an art and not a science. Um, so I, to me, I, I think very much you know what I do, what medicine is, is very much very much art and and, and takes a great deal of of, of creativity. Well, you're a lot like a detective, aren't you? Because you're finding pieces of a puzzle and yeah. seeing how they relate to each other and what the big picture looks like, as well as the one that you're honing in on. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, even as I'm looking at these pictures behind you, you've got this like, you know, juxtaposition between purple and blue, and 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 then it is that you know you have to take you know some certain you know 
paintbrushes or you've got to take certain mediums in in our in in our world it's you know what patients tell you it is what we can gather from physical exam or it's what we can gather from x-rays or mris or ultrasounds or whatever and then you know cobble together a, a picture and, and sometimes that picture turns out exactly like you know it was supposed to and sometimes you're pretty close but is pretty close you know is that good enough um so yeah absolutely it, we've We've got different, you know, a medium, but but very much the same idea. Trying to pull these pieces together to to tell that story. So, in addition to all of the diagnostic methods that you use, how how many times do you surprise yourself by what's revealed in a conversation that you're having with a patient? Because one of the things that I think is so great about how you interact with clients and patients is that you you look at them <laughs> you talk to them you're not stuck with a laptop right in front of your nose so I'm curious how much comes through in that conversation that you have with the patient you know I think after you know having gone through a lot of schooling and a lot of training you know, I would probably say 80 to 85% of the time, just my conversation with people is what's most revealing. It's most revealing about what they, not just like from the, from the medical perspective of like, what is the diagnosis and what, where can I get the treatment or what, what should be the treatment, but it's, you know, where 85% of what, what is this person really dealing with? What does this person really want out of all of this? You know, are they, yeah, they're telling me about maybe back pain, but what they really want is, is to go run around with their grandkids or, you know, take that trip to to Seattle that they haven't been able to because they're, they're not sure that they can sustain the, you know, a six hour plane ride. Um, I, and I think that that's really where, where so much of it comes into play. It, you know, dropping the laptop, dropping the pen and paper sometimes is is, is necessity to, to really sort of figure out, you know, what what am I looking at? What like who am I, who am I really talking to? Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think it's it's part of it. It's part of it's part of the art. You know, you've got to observe right in order to create or recreate or or you know put put something down. Eighty five percent is a lot. Yeah, surprisingly, I mean, I think earlier on in in the career, I. I put so much stock in my physical exam and, and, and into the imaging. And I'm not saying that it's not important now, but yeah, absolutely. I think now 85% of the time, I, I think I've gathered most of what I needed to just from the conversation. Hmm. It's different. It is different. It's a different way of, different way of approaching that puzzle of what's wrong and how can it be fixed? What's really behind the, the presentation that somebody is giving you. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, as, as I was mentioning before, you know, people's lives are more than just about, you know, the pain or, or what the pain has sort of turned them into. Like everybody's got these hopes and dreams and, and, you know, you know, an idea of what their, you know, retirement was supposed to look like, or the idea of what they want to do on a, on a fall Sunday. So it's, it's trying to figure that out. What's the hardest element in making a diagnosis? Um, I think 
the hardest thing is is learning a couple of the fundamentals, right? In in medicine, um, the hardest thing about diagnosis is learning that nature and what happens in the world um, happens, you know, with the idea of this bell curve that things happen, you know, from the center, and then like one standard deviation out. And that's going to capture about 70% of your of, of things. Two standard deviations out is 95%. And then, you know, going further out from there is is, is sort of the, the zebras, the hard things. It's learning that. And in, you know, we in medicine, we often say it's common things being common, common things uncommonly, uncommon things commonly, and then lastly, uncommon things uncommonly. So sort of like knowing that that's really what's going to come through your door. Um, is is and, and sort of learning that practice is is probably probably the the hardest part. Once you can sort of get through that and not chase that rare and mystical, you know, Amazonian disease that that you know <laughs> that you read about once, you know, tempting, very tempting to to chase and and to follow, but realize you know that um, that we are you know in in a lot of ways very similar and how things either come apart or come together, you know, in, in nature, it's, it's, you know, it, it follows certain rules, you know. And what I'm, I'm wondering are, how much do those rules actually play a major part in your diagnosis? You know, I'm thinking about how, if you, if you go in generally, if you go in to see a physician for some problem, they start with the absolute worst. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> and then they work their way back. Is that accurate, or is that just me? Yeah, I, I mean, there, there is a certain truth to that. You know, at, while you know we talk about these things, common things being uncommon. You know, when there are red flags, or when there are, you know, certain parts of the picture that that don't look like they belong, and they belong to something a little bit more sinister, you do have to be more, you know. You, you know, you still have to think about that person and, you know, will not want the worst possible outcome. Because, I mean, in this, in this, uh, you know, medical atmosphere now, like we're, it's, it's, it's got to be a relationship. And if you care about this person, you want what's best for them and, and to have, you know, and, and they're coming to you in, in this like real state of vulnerability. And, you know, you, in, in that relationship, you want them to, you want to be able to lead them, to guide them, and even though it's this this sort of conversation back and forth, um, sort of take them away from, you know, make sure that that, that the, the the ugliest and the most sinister things um, aren't there. With that being said, yes, you know, there again, some people just love that you know brown recluse spider bites from <laughs> I don't know deep in sub-Saharan Africa, like they. Like they jump to that, but um, yeah, sometimes some people just fall into that. Some clinicians fall into that trap. Um, but you know, part of our job is to to um, look out for people and, and just make sure that you know they're in the right hands or they're they're in the right place. So it's not such a bad thing after all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That stubbed toe, yeah, it's probably, that's all it is. Well, you know what, what strikes me in terms of what you're saying, 
uh, is about relationship with patients. And that just seems uh, unusual to me in terms of, I love it. I love it. But uh, what I'm saying is so many physicians are just by the book. You know, they check off the list of things they're supposed to look for. There's not that much of a sense of connection or relationship with their patients. I've certainly had that on more than one occasion. And I think that's one thing that's unusual about you is that you make that effort to yeah. have a relationship. And I think in do I'm, I'm projecting this, maybe I'm wrong, but I think in doing that, you invite more information into the equation. Sure. I mean, I think if the clinician, uh, you know, shows some vulnerability, um, I think, you know, you, you, you sort of can tease out a little bit more. I mean, I, I guess the question back sort of, I'm sorry to question the interviewer, but I mean, sometimes, you, you know, have you, you've probably seen examples of mass produced art, right? And the quality of it, it's, you know, yeah. it follows, you know, a pretty narrow profile. Like velvet yes. paint, paintings on velvet. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> you know, and I think, um, you know, that's kind of what's happening to medicine now is that, you know, it's it's kind of, there. it's in a way mass produced. And, you know, so it, it's losing that vulnerability. It's losing that 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 sense of, of its art. And, you know, and I get it, you know, cost of, um, cost of, patients and costs of people rise, right? But the dollars that are involved in taking care of people are dwindling. So, you know, I, I think we're forced to say, all right, let's not create interesting art, but let's just create a piece of art and send that out the door. Um, and I think, unfortunately, that's the, that's, that's the pitfall, but it's also creating, I think, a lot of, you know, victims in the process. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that's true. You know, I think, one of the things, and, and I, I suppose this falls within the realm of creativity, is that even if somebody doesn't know what's wrong with them, nor the, does the physician at the time, still that human connection is some kind of reassurance. Okay, so nobody knows what's going on, but at least they're trying. Right, yeah. It's, it's like... You know, in, in some of that like mass production mentality, you know, I think too many times it's, you know, sometimes a, my analogy will be either a microwave, but I think probably more accurate, a, a, a drive through. When I order, by the time I get to the pickup window, you know, coffee should be 122 degrees and there should be a secure <laughs> lid on it. And, you know, but it, it unfortunately doesn't doesn't work that way. It's not you can't you can't turn it into to that but you know that that's a it's a it's a big problem and and i don't know that i know the solution but i think if we sort of uh maybe some of us try to revert back um and and try to have the pendulum swing the other way you know maybe somewhere along the line somebody will have the idea or or the solution to to sort of value you know the relationship process and and um, because you know sometimes you're right it, it just it takes time to just sit down with somebody and say well what is it that you're really saying and did anybody ever think of this did anybody ever think of that 
and if you don't and if you're not um you're only as good as you know the number of diagnoses that you can think of right if you can only think of two diagnoses well then guess what every single one of your patients will have one or two diagnoses but if you can think of 10 you know you're you're gonna you're gonna you know um you're gonna be a bit more a bit more valuable you're gonna be a bit more um you know part of the part of the process so since you spoke about the drive-through what do you think about telemedicine yeah i mean it has a place you know i think for a lot of people it has a place um it, it, you lose something in it you know i think not being able to examine somebody um you know and then not being able to to you know have only i don't know 64 shoes of, of white I, I you know I, I think there's 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 some there's some limitations to it um but you know that that's kind of what what the demand is now it probably works great for things like psychiatry and some other fields where you know the verbal dialogue is is almost all of it mm. um, but you know in, in a field like mine where I've got to put my hand on the patient and examine and see how the knee bends or how little it bends or whether or not there's fluid building around the knee, it's definitely limited. Um, this is good for, you know, probably explaining, you know, a little bit about the therapy that I do or, or initially getting the conversation. But in order to get that full, you know, beyond that 85%, getting that full picture, that last 15%, I, I, you know, I certainly, for me, I prefer to have the, the person in the room. Mm. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk a little bit about the direction that you've gone in with your practice and what made you focus not just on sports medicine, but on PRP and stem cell? Yeah, I mean, I think um, kind of like everything that we were talking about before, that, you know, when it, how medicine now is, it's pretty uh, definitive, you know, grooves in the concrete. I won't even say grooves in the sand, but grooves in the concrete, and it's pretty hard to to veer from from that. Um, the uh, initial uh, first few uh, um, years after having done most of my training, I felt pretty limited in that. You know, despite how much I can learn and make a great diagnosis on patients. Um, the therapies were limited. It was either pretty much steroids, physical therapy, and then, you know, because of lack of anything else, really having to send people on to, to surgery. Um, when I finally learned that there was another alternative, it is definitely an alternative, but, uh, you know, a, a good alternative existed. It helped me really, you know, offer to, to patients, you know, something viable, something that, that wasn't going to involve you know, some of the, the knives, the knife. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, you're pretty much said it. Um, and, you know, and, and with knives come, come bigger complications. And so it was nice to, to nice to be able to, to do that for people. Um, and then, you know, for me, it was, I, I liked the idea of having my own practice and, and so that I can put down the computer and, mm -hmm. and look at somebody in the face and talk to them eye to eye. That, that was pretty, you know, valuable to me. Um, so that this, this development of, and, and sort of pushing this direction with the practice definitely helped keep that, that, you know, um, part of the practice alive. So 
I'd love you to talk a little bit more about how those two therapies work. But what I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking is that m much like the nature of creativity in general, these two avenues have a lot of possibility in them that are not necessarily ascribed to mainstream medical therapies. Yeah, so um, I'll get, I'll, I'll get microscopic and then, and then I'll get micro, uh, macroscopic. So microscopically, so platelet-rich plasma and stem cell-based therapies are what we, are, we, we call um, autologous therapies. So platelet-rich plasma means my, I extract the platelets out of your blood and then I can apply it to certain conditions, arthritis, um, tendon uh, pathologies. Um, I can apply it to certain nerve disorders, ligament disorders. Stem cells, similar, except not only are we using platelets in that, we're using stem cells, and stem cells exist uh, all throughout the body. Um, they live in your bone marrow, your fat, and so it's a matter of extraction, purification, and then, um, and then its application. It, it's early enough that we don't know its full capacity um, or even its, its full um, not just capacity, but full, um, uh, I, I want to say something along the lines, how we purify and sort of extract it fully. So there's some of the processing even that, that we don't know and, and that we're learning to do better. Um, but what it has done is people have come to us now with issues that previously weren't you know, amenable to, to any other sort of conventional um, therapy. And we've been able to, to now offer, you know, well, we, here's something we can try. Fundamentally, some of this works. Kind of like, you know, I've got this, I've got this, I, I keep using paintbrush, but I, I, here's this paintbrush. And I think your canvas looks like it might hold paint, but I'm not sure. But at the very least, it's not going to make it uglier. It's not going to make it, you know, you know, less attractive or, or you know, ruin the canvas. So it, it, it's really given us a, a, a stepping point for, for doing things. Um, just a case in point, we had a gentleman who just came in today and he's had back surgery, pain, mm. and issues running down his leg. And I, I, I said, quite frankly, I, I don't know if these therapies are definitively going to resolve all of your issues, but you really don't have whole lot of other options and this option very well might carry some potential and you know and, and you know I, I think for them they were they were ready to to do something and try something and i think that's the problem is that the, the landscape our our the number of paintbrushes that we have is is so limited um and so it's nice to be able to reach into the toolbox and say oh well here's this thing that that just might do the trick for for a lot of people the the more you describe this the more it sounds like not boilerplate but all of the components of being creative in terms of exploring and experimenting and just trying stuff to see whether it works or not it may not necessarily be as um I don't know if this is true or not efficient as maybe other more traditional methods, but it certainly seems like you can, as you're exploring those potential uses for those therapies, that you're 
able to uncover other possibilities for how they can be applied. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 like unearthing the the you know the soil a bit, or lifting a, a corner of the rug, and you know, there's there's a whole heck of a lot of things under there, uh, <clears throat> and I think by by being willing to try and and you know being again vulnerable and and being honest with people you know and you know i think a lot of people are are desperate's not not the right word but a lot of people are anxious to try something different something new um and you know even if the the results aren't you know guaranteed um because you know the need is out there. Um, I, the the future of of a lot of what we do um, has has a whole lot of potential. But I think that just goes along with science and technology, right? Um, that what we're doing now is far more molecular, far more microscopic, far more cellular in in, in our therapies um, than 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 we've ever done before. And I think it'll just continue in that direction. Um, and I, and I think people, people need it, you know, quite frankly, people need it. Yeah, well, there's such a uh, disillusionment with the medical community and the lack of, um, well, A, the lack of humanity and the lack of, the fact that there's no guarantees no matter what you use what what you try you know no, you, nobody knows what is actually going to happen which is also part of the creative process you never know you make an educated guess it's based on previous experience but it seems like there are it's more of a willingness to try things even if there's no guarantee with it yeah i mean i guess the, the question back to you too i mean when you're creating art how much of it is just you wanting to put two colors together and then how much of it is you sort of doing some self-exploration and saying, well, what, what is it that I, that I want this to, to be, or what is it that I, uh, you know, what, what am I trying to achieve here? And, and, and like a little bit of soul searching, you know, in order to, to find, you know, where to find your direction for, for some of that. And, you know, I, for me, if if I did that inward search and, and I did it some of that that you know inward find, it's I, I'm I'm always looking for the underdog. I'm always looking for that person who's you know feeling like they're a little bit despondent. I mean, I, I guess that's how how we get drawn to, to medicine for a lot of for a lot of us physicians. But you know, finding where, where people are in need and and then you know, being able to be that person or be able to be that, that, that moment in time for, for people. Um, and I think that that, you know, helps uh, me lay, at least for me, lay out, you know, the plans for, for how to go about the practice and how to go about, you know, therapies and future therapies. So how does that intention to be there for that person, how does that affect your, uh, on a, on a practical level? How does that affect your practice in terms of building it and expanding it in the direction that you go in? Yeah, I mean it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I okay, mean, explain I, that. Like, I, you know, I want to, I want to be everything. I want to do everything. I want to, you know, see every piece of paper, and I want to see every patient, and and you know, you, you know, touch the corner of every room. But I have to realize that you know, um, I, I can't. You know, it, it's just not feasible. So it's been the, it's been the a lot of honest moments, um, a lot of real moments talking about limitations and, you know, what can I or can't I let go of? I, we just came up today with um, me with, with a stamp from, from, you know, from the local office supply. So I didn't have to sign certain things because I, I just sort of refused to, to not see that piece of paper and not be the person to, to sign off on that one thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that I struggle with, um, but I think in the, if I keep my eye on the grand prize, which is, you know, I, I hope to create and create something meaningful that I, that when, what I, what I mean by that is I, I hope to be able to help more than just one patient at a time. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if I, with, with, if I keep that in focus, I, I have to learn to let certain things go, but you're right. It's, it's, it's terrible. <laughs> since you can't clone yourself yet not yet not yet give me a few years no <laughs> <laughs> well, you just better hope that technology is going to keep evolving yeah right yeah now you have do you have a total of three offices now so a total of three offices so the one our major office is here in uh, saratoga springs or in gansford um we've got one in uh, skinny atlas which is just past uh, syracuse it's one of the finger lakes and then the third one down in suffering um, down by new york city um, plans to open one in plattsburgh and sometime in the future if um, the pandemic ever lets up and the borders can stay open a little bit so yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know, I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> but there's something that's a challenge for you in that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, in, in, you know, I, I guess, it, could I create a mural? How big of a mural can I create it? Can I get the entire side of a building? Can I get the entire, you know, city block? Um, and to me, I, I, I look at that as, I, I relish that, that, that challenge and, um, it, it, you know, speaking of creativity, you know, trying to find that person and, and trying to find that office space and will it work or will it not work? And, um, you know, knowing that there, there's a certain number of requirements that I want and I need in order to go into these places. Um, and it takes you out of your comfort zone, really, you know? Um, but I think if you're, if you want to create things, sometimes you, you kind of have to be willing to, to do that. Um, you know, I'll ask the artist, I, I, right? I, I, think, I think. Yes, I think that's true, whether it's finding a new office, finding st office staff, or whether you're creating anything, because my experience is that creativity invites discomfort. But that's the whole opportunity to stretch, right? And grow and create something that's beyond what you normally would do. Yeah, I mean, I think other people have said it as well, but, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So what have you discovered about yourself in this process of opening other offices and finding new ways to treat people 
What have you noticed about yourself besides that you often like to do things the hard way? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's definitely one of one of the things that that I learned. Um, I, I learned that um, one of the major things that I learned was perseverance. That I have this sense of perseverance that um, is probably stronger than. I know what's good for me, you know, I, I sort of go beyond the point of, wow, wow, this is really painful. And then rather than sort of closing shop and turning around or, or I just, I somehow, you know, need to take a, a step, a breather. And then I'm just like right back at it. Like, like it was going to be in, like it was meant to be this whole time. I, I think that's one that the, probably the, the single biggest thing that I've, you know, discovered about myself is that, is that sense of sense of perseverance. And I think the second thing is, you know, as, as we've been talking about this whole time, is that I absolutely thrive on the creativity, on on you know having that element um, of, of building something, of making something. That if I if it wasn't for that, if it was, I mean, not not to discredit anybody who who loves a nine to five job, but you know, but for me, just the to me, nine to five job scenarios is feels confining for me. And, and then if I didn't get to step out and, you know, open up Google Maps and put down a pin and say, I wonder what it's like there to open an office, you know, and, and being able to explore that. I, I think those those two things for me, um, I've definitely learned over the last couple of years. Is that how you decided on where the locations for your other offices <laughs> i pretty much kind of did I, I said how far could i drive to and come back in one day and so that's what skinny atlas is and that's what suffering is and that's what plattsburgh is uh full disclosure the next time i do this it'll probably be in another state and so i'll have to um i'll have to hire at that point yeah. <laughs> well vermont's not that far from us so it's true this is true, Massachusetts, come That's on. Right. That's right. So what What do you think, besides your never-ending love of trying to figure out th how things will happen, what do you think makes you good at what you do? Gosh, um, I, I've, I've thought about that a little bit, you know, and, and because I kind of have to wonder in some of the, the hard moments and some of the dark moments, like, what is wrong with me? Why, why, why do I do this to myself? Like, you know, and, and I, I can remember even back being a kid and I, I was always a kid who sort of took all the toys apart. Um, I wanted to see how things worked. Um, my favorite was anything with a wire or a motor or a light bulb in it that I can like, you know, put back together. And I'd have these like Frankenstein toys, you know, <laughs> in my uh, in my bedroom. And to me, I think that's that's sort of the thing. I think the the willingness to take things all the way apart and then examine it from from you know all sides, and then say, well, how can I put this back together? But how can I put this back together better? Or how can I put this back together, you know, for for <laughs> so what I it works. <laughs> 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 and you know being being willing to do that you know de definitely with you know i obviously we're, we're not, i'm not experimenting on people but you know with humans and, and people you know there's 
there's some hard limitations and, you know, you know, it, but some of that comes from just simple conversation and, and being able to understand somebody. So I, th I think that's the other thing too, is, you know, early on in, in our interview here, you know, talking to people, that's where I'm sort of like unpackaging things and then sort of like laying them all out and saying, well, you know, how can we put this all back together? So it works, it works for you. I might not get back the original toy and, you know, this might, might might not be the original packaging, but but what can we cobble together here that's going to make it work? And, and and every patient and every person is different, and so that challenge is different every single time. And yeah, and that's probably that's the drug in it, you know. Is that each one is unique? Each one is unique and presents a different challenge, and and you know requires you know maybe similar skill sets, but applied not always in the same way. Yeah. yeah. I think I just discovered something about myself there. <laughs> <laughs> Should we edit this out? <laughs> <laughs> and what do you what do you think in terms of your own creative process, not only with your expanding your practice into places unknown, but using the therapies that you do use, what do you think are the the things that are the biggest obstacles for you? Um, I think time, time is definitely one of them. Um, being patient and, and waiting for time to evolve and letting biology happen sometimes. Mm, right. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things because I mean, I, I grew up in, in a microwave drive through you know, generation. And so I, 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 I felt, you know, trapped to, to the same thing. I just did this. Where's my result? Where's, where's the result? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that's definitely one of, one of the challenges. Um, but invariably, you know, I think giving things that extra moment, that extra little time, giving it that little chance to, to observe, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've learned a lot in that. That hasn't necessarily always solved all the things, but it's it definitely, and it, it probably more recently than than ever, given me like that that one extra facet of of, of perspective. Mm. It doesn't have to be long sometimes, but yeah, definitely. If there was one thing you could do all day <laughs> within your practice, what would it be? Um inject inject <laughs> <laughs> you'll have to explain that um i one of the uh, the parts of the therapy that that we do is that you know we take um for people who are listening to this i'm sorry but we we take seven inch needles and we're, we're getting into um, very pre precise spots in in people's spines and there's something about um, similar to, to, you know, what we we're talking about before. Every spine is different. Every person is different. Some people have surgery, so they have hardware. There's a, there's a unique sort of challenge to it and being able to ferret that, that needle to exactly where, where we need it to go. And I know that, and it's not just in, in placing the needle, but it's in now having done what we've done is, is in the knowledge that four weeks from now or eight weeks from now that that is the inception point for you know changing people's lives 
um, and there's there's just something really really gratifying of being able to to be at that moment. Um, so if I, if I had to say, you know, is there is there a thing that I I love and that I could do all the time? It would be that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a master at it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. a lot of time, a lot of I I I. I terrify my kids i say you want to be a doctor you only have to go to school 26 years <laughs> put a lot of time into it but thank you i i, I it's something i enjoy yeah no it shows it shows in the quality of the work that you do thank you thank you what what do you think people should know about the the world of medicine and <laughs> and your place in it there are kind of two quest different questions there but it seems like so much of the medical world is shrouded in mystery, whether that's deliberate or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a veil, right? Um, and, and some of it is about protecting that veil and some of that is trying to break through that veil. Mm. Uh, the one thing that I would say to people is that, you know, that medicine is not perfect, um, is that it's fallible, um, it is, uh, operated and delivered by humans, um, which means that even under the best of circumstances and under the best of training and guidelines and research and evidence that that you can do, um, that it's still fallible. That it has you know moments that the bottom drops out and, and you don't realize or you don't expect it to. Um, but at the same time as imperfect that is, as it is, it is the best we have. Um, and sometimes, you know, it, it things in, in life, I, I think it reflects life, you know, that's just, mm. it, it may, it may not be the perfect thing, but it's the best we have. It's what we got. It's what we got. Yeah. Um, and sometimes to, to, you know, be part of that process and trust that process and, and, and be willing to, to see it through. I think a lot of people now are probably disheartened or disillusioned because, you know, I think not, and I'll be perfectly honest, I don't think all of medicine in all corners of even, even our country or, or, or the globe are, are delivered perfectly, um, you know, and to, to, in the end, to, to find the thing that, that also, you know, makes sense to you that, it, you know, that, that, that works for you. I think that that's important, you know, and if you feel like you're not getting treated the right way, or if you feel like this doesn't seem right to you, then be part of the process, be willing to explore, be willing to look, be willing to search and, you know, be willing to, to find that, that thing that, that makes sense to you. And what about robotics? What do you, how do you see that integrating into medicine? Is, are we still coming down to the same bottom line, which is robotics are being operated by human beings at the the baseline of things yeah i mean i think at the crux of it somebody's got to operate that robot i mean even within so robotics are great if you're expecting the same toyota off the line you know or the same ford off of the line every time but every single person who walks into your office or you know walks into a physician's office is is very very unique right even even then within that one standard deviation there's there's tons of unique variables let's just take for example the allergy somebody has 
let's take, for example, the level of anxiety they have around the medical situation. You know, you know, these are the sort of things that you can't program a, a, a robot for. So yeah, there are, I think there are parts of medicine that absolutely robots can, you know, do a, do a fantastic job of, but it's art, it's art. Mm. Mm. Wow. So what else, what else should people know, A, about you and what you offer, or just in general, what are your thoughts about medicine and the practice of medicine? Um, yeah, I mean, apart from a lot of that, that we've talked about now, I think um, we, I, I'm, what I'm, what I really hope for, and what I, you know, anticipate in the future is that we get back to sort of a, a, a classic style of medicine, where it is a patient and a physician in the room, regardless of computer, robot, um, whatever else might be in the room, that that we sort of hold that as as, you know, the most near and dear. And I think we've we've gotten away from that a lot um over years and probably because the population is ballooning care costs are rising um number of care providers is dropping um and so the pressure the pressure to produce is there but it shouldn't be it shouldn't be based on production it should it should be based on you know the value of the relationship not value of the results if, if that makes sense it makes a lot of sense to me i mean if we're if we're couching this conversation in terms of creativity it's all about relationship yeah your your relationship to the canvas your relationship to 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 the medium you know you know are, are you spending the time to find the exact paint color that you want the you know, is, is that the right blend of, of orange that, that you want? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you and I ever talked about this, but I spent a lot of time drawing and in, in, in art growing up. And I just remember just, you know, doing a ton of charcoal and just spending oodles and oodles of time and, and trying to shade. Is this the right shade? No? Go back and go over it again and being willing to go back and go over it again until until it fit what you wanted. And until that last bit of, well, we use uh, hairspray to, to, to find out. Right. Right? <laughs> the fixative. And until that went on, you know, that, that we just had the, the, the chance and the opportunity to go back and fix it and, and repair it or, or to darken or lighten. Um, so yeah, yeah, very much that way. So what do you think that a patient's would, response would be without the right prep <laughs> to have a physician who says, I don't know, I'm just going to try this and see what happens. I mean, that's probably what they do, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, <laughs> uh, uh, hopefully the physician will say more than beyond just, I don't know, just try this. Um, hopefully they've, they've developed a little more bedside manner that, that might, you know, encapsulate that a little bit better, but, you know, people should, be willing to, to, you know, take a look and examine things and just be able to, you know, hold it in their hands and say, all right, well, if I, and what if, and if I don't, and, and sort of be able to project down the line a little bit in six months, in 12 months, 
is this something irreversible? If you do this, do you have no choice but to be stuck with it? Is, is this, is this, as, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but is this, is this the finality of, of what you've decided? Yeah. Um, because, you know, as science, technology, medicine improves and grows, you know, the options exist and, and are out there. Um, hopefully, uh, a physician will deliver that that's that sentiment a little bit more tactfully but yeah <laughs> well, you did cut it down to the basics <laughs> well, I'm trying not to say those words just like that <laughs> right. well i really appreciate you taking the time to be on this call today can you tell the people who are watching or listening where you are and how to find you and are you doing anything out of, uh, well, it, what you're doing is out of the ordinary, but something that they should know about stem cell or, or platelet-rich plasma that is yeah. worth them knowing about. Yeah, um, so the, the, the details are, you know, um, the name of the practice is Richard Kim Medicine. Um, our phone number is 518 871-9900. Uh, you can find us on our webpage at richardkimmedicine.com. Um, the practice is uh, wholly and largely dedicated to regenerative medicine. So we uh, want to be that, that sort of beacon, that, that light that stands out there as the alternative, the, the choice apart from, from the tired old standard. Um, and so we, we hope to, to really represent that, but we'll represent that with good, high quality patient care, direct eye contact, all of that good stuff. Um, we do have offices in both Skinny Atlas uh, and Suffren, as well as our, our main office here in, in Saratoga. Um, and when you're considering regenerative medicine, think about um, all the things that make um, not just um, a, a good uh, procedure maker, um, a, a proceduralist, can they just get the needle in the right place? But are they also doing right by you by getting the right diagnosis and looking at you know looking at the stone from all uh, odd angles and and being able to make sure that you get what what you know is is needed and that's where things like evidence and science and everything sort of contribute to and help uh, make that argument. But yeah, if, if if that's what you're considering, you know, please absolutely consider all those things. Great advice. And I think that if more people did that, they would have better experiences, you know, to really seriously <clears throat> consider not only the physician, but the treatment that the physician is recommending. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's a brave new world out there. <laughs> that it is, especially these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate your being here with me. And for everyone else who's been listening or watching, Thank you so much. We appreciate your being here as well and take good care. Bye for now.